Welcome to the Staying Angels podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about Ayurveda 101, Understanding Kapha. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys a little background on the Kapha Dosha, and later we'll be chatting with our expert for today, Acharya Shunya, a classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in Uganda, Mozambique, South Africa, the UK, France, Germany, Canada, Poland, and of course, the USA, I appreciate you all. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and write a review. I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Asia123, for your five-star review of the show. Asia says this is mind-blowing. I am so happy I listened to this. Thank you. Child, you are so welcome. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Okay, y'all. Today we are talking about one of my favorite things to nerd out on, Ayurveda. And it's the last episode in our series. In case you have never heard of it, Ayurveda is a system of medicine which has been around for thousands of years and originates from India. In Ayurveda, every individual is unique and there is no diet or lifestyle routine that works for all. It is about true bio-individuality, which is a huge part of why I love working with it in my practice. Ayurveda focuses on prevention and advice that's given is to maintain physical and emotional health and food and lifestyle routines are the most important prescription. In Ayurveda, the doshas are the three energies that define every person's makeup. We all have all three, but usually have two of the energies that are most dominant. The three doshas are pitta, vata, and kapha. In my practice, I use a variety of body typing methods to help me understand my clients and get to the bottom of what diet is best for them. And learning my client's dosha without a doubt every single time gives me so much information about how to approach their case and tailor my recommendations to them individually. Things that you should remember about your dosha. Our doshas are dynamic. They can change in response to weather, external conditions, or stress. Our habits, our food, and our lifestyle choices are actually manifestations of our dosha. Negative habits can actually lead to imbalance, which can actually also lead to disease. In Ayurveda, when a dosha is increased or imbalanced, the person might crave foods or conduct habits that will keep increasing that dosha, meaning you're going to usually crave the completely wrong things. Understanding your dosha can give you a major key to knowing yourself and providing clues for what needs to be addressed when your energy gets out of whack and also give you clarity on which habits can throw you off balance. All right, so we've gone into pitta. We did vata. And now we are doing kapha. Very, very, very exciting. Kapha is the force of both water and earth and literally means phlegm. It also means that which holds things together. It is the physical and emotional home we reside in, giving bulk to our tissues. Emotionally, kapha is the love and support we receive in life and governs feelings of compassion, devotion, modesty, patience, and forgiveness. 
Physiologically, kapha governs storing of energy, stability, lubrication, holding together of the joints, body fluids, sense of taste. Kapha qualities include heavy, slow, liquid, dense, dull, cold, thick, soft, sticky, cloudy, oily, and damp. And kapha's main locations in the body are stomach, chest, throat, head, the pancreas, the sides, the lymph, inner fat, nose, and tongue. Kapha rules construction of form, anabolism, sweet and salty tastes, the childhood years, morning and evening, winter and late spring. And some kapha disorders or health imbalances that can happen to kaphas include depression of the digestive fire, so very slow kind of sluggish digestion, nausea after eating, lethargy, heaviness, chills, looseness of the limbs, cough, difficulty breathing, mucus forming conditions, excessive sleeping, accumulation of fat in the body, and congestion of the lymphatic system. Of the three doshas, kaphas are usually the bulkiest of the three constitutions with medium to broad frames, heavy bone constitution, and wide shoulders and hips. Kaphas store energy and usually are well lubricated and don't have a problem with dryness. Kaphas can maintain moderate weight with regular exercise, but usually aren't fans of strenuous exercise. Kaphas gain weight easily, especially around the mid-torso and the hips, and lose weight slowly. Kaphas have a stable and moderate desire for food, but may be prone to emotional eating. Fasting is usually easy on kaphas due to the ability to store energy. They may feel hungry late morning around 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. for a light breakfast, or may actually just feel comfortable skipping breakfast entirely. Two meals a day can actually be sufficient for a kapha type. All right, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to speak to our amazing guest. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. I am super excited to announce the launch of the new destination I created for online programs called Staying Ageless University. At Staying Ageless University, we create epic content to teach you about holistic wellness and transformational healing programs to help you achieve extraordinary longevity. We believe that learning is an essential component of healing and creating lasting change, and every one of our programs are created from protocols that I have tried and tested on clients who have achieved optimal wellness by following them. Our signature programs include Staying Ageless 30+, plus, 
which is designed to help women 30 plus interested in staying fly till you're 99 or close to it, create lasting healthy rituals, and the all new Raw Girls Hormonal Balancing Academy for women suffering with fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, cysts, or menopausal symptoms. If you're ready to use holistic means to take control of your hormones and get your life back. We also have two new programs that are amazing for New Year's clean starts, Detox Your Life, which includes 30-day plant-based detox, either raw or vegan, and Candida and Parasites Be Gone for those who are ready to kick Candida overgrowth or parasites to the curb for good. Enrollment is now open for three of our programs, and we officially launched January 1st, 2021. You can learn more about us and our program offerings at stayingagelessuniversity.com. Hope to see you in class. Today's guest is Acharya Shunya, a wisdom teacher and a catalyst for empowering health and elevating consciousness worldwide. She's an award-winning and internationally renowned author, speaker, and scholar of non-dual wisdom, and a classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda. She's the first female head of her 2,000-year-old Indian Vedic spiritual lineage, and she provides a rare opportunity to receive authentic teachings from a genuine Vedic master. Acharya Shunya is the president of the Awakened Self Foundation with its international headquarters in California and founder of the spiritual and philanthropic nonprofit Vedika Global. Her top-rated Shadow to Self podcast, award-winning Alchemy with Ayurveda program, and her signature offerings currently unfolding on the theme of Sovereign Life, are creating shifts in consciousness and improving health. Acharya Shunya is the author of best-selling book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, a complete prescription to optimize your health, prevent disease, live with vitality and joy, which was acclaimed amongst top 10 books in alternative medicine in its year of publication. Her second book, Sovereign Self, Claim Your Inner Joy and Freedom with the Empowering Wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita, is a comprehensive guide to yoga's most influential texts, making their profound teachings both accessible and immediately practical for modern seekers. Her third book, which is slated for release in January 2022, is Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Unapologetic Power, Propensity, and Purpose. Thank you so much, Acharya Shunya, again for rejoining us to talk about Ayurveda. I'm really enjoying this series and the luxury of having a, you know, slow and engaged conversation. I really appreciate your interest and support of Ayurveda because I think people deserve these deeper and more luxuriant conversations. Yes, yes. Thank you. So let's talk today about kapha. Can you just give us an overview? Um, We've already talked about all the different doshas and we talked about kapha a little bit, but What are the qualities of kapha? Absolutely. So for those who are joining us new, dosha is to Indian medicine, Ayurveda, what chi is to Chinese medicine. And we have already discussed, you might want to find our prior episodes on uh, the dosha called vata, which relates with movement in the body. Then we've talked about pitta dosha, which relates with metabolism and transformation in the body and mind. And now we're going to talk about my favorite dosha, kapha, because I'm quite well endowed with kapha dosha in my own being. <laughs> and um, and what that does is gives us a lot of juice, I have to say, a lot of moisture, 
a lot of um, contentment in the mind. And um, if all goes well, a person who has more of this energy is um, well-made, well-structured, good good muscle tone. Even a new baby looks like mm-hmm. they had a good buffet in mommy's tummy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they're good eaters. They'll 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 be good poopers and everything would be kind of a bit you know on the well formed side unlike unlike a person who has more air or vata dosha so they might be a bit more on the slimmer side and unlike the pitta person who may be more medium the kapha would be well built even a little baby would be you know well built and when it gets too much, it can lead to water retention or or fat deposition or, or even heaviness in the mind because kapha dosha, as you well know, deals with water and earth. So these are kind of heavying energies. But let's look at the pros. The pro is that it makes you stable. It also mm. imparts you excellent immunity. And that is why mm. people who are dominant in kapha dosha and foods that impart as kapha dosha like bananas or milk or yogurt, those having things also give us strength, you know, and vitality, mm. fertility. So kapha has everything to do with our being, our structure, our form, our vitality. And at the mental level, whereas vata dosha makes us, you know, quick learners or quick thinkers and creative people, pitta dosha makes us brilliant and sharp and analytical and artistic because we can see Mm. color and understand things. Kapha dosha makes us serene, content, tendency to go deep in any system of knowledge because kapha is not in a rush. So there is this tendency to want to stay and go deep. So often We'll find the scholars and the pundits and the deep, deep, deep study that's being accomplished by people who have more kapha in their body. So I hope that's a good description and some people find a sense of familiarity with it. That's so good. I have a lot of kapha clients. So I have a, I have some I have some questions. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to start with, especially when you're dealing with when you're dealing with movement and transformation, I think the pits and vata more come to mind. And I do agree. I feel, I always feel part of why the Kafa clients come to me is to help move them further towards their goal. Right. They're attracted to you for what they are missing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I can totally feel that. But then I also feel that I have to balance my own Pitta, like, you know, determination to get things done because that's not the way that kaphas flow. And so if you if if someone is like trying to move towards transformation but has a kapha constitution, is there a certain certain way that is a better way to approach it? <laughs> so, so I'd like to share a story I heard from my <laughs> in childhood. Okay. It's kind of a funny story, and I'm really hoping. I'm not putting <laughs> myself on my on your show because I I'm on so many podcasts that I sometimes forget. But I'm just yeah. going to share it because it's a lot of fun to talk about it. But okay. a long time ago, like once upon a time in India, there was this massage therapy going on, and a vata dominant, a pitta dominant, and a kapha person shows up for massage therapy, 
And how do you know the difference, my guru says. And I say, yeah, how do you know it? And he goes, well, you know, a vata dominant, an air dominant person will come in and they'll be really anxious. They'll be running behind. They'll have a million things going on. And what you want to do is reassure them and talk to them softly and be quiet right. with them so they get the cue and they relax. And that would be, and use lots of warm oil because vata dosha is cold and shivery and, and sometimes they're jerking about and restless. So you want to be, super stable with them. And then when the Pitta dominant person comes in, you know they're Pitta because they've arrived before time. And <laughs> and they're so sharp, they're going to be asking questions. What oil are you using? How long will this be? What's going to be the pros and cons of this therapy? And you shouldn't <laughs> feel bad because they're not doubting you. They're just so sharp. So you should just feed them that information that the knowledge will give peace to the Pitta, nothing else. And then after the treatment, walk them out into a cool moonlight or moonlit area, give them a garland of jasmine and a sharbat of rose and let them forget the world. And that's going to be so healing. So all that's so nice. And then we have the kapha person. And when they come in, you know, they'll come in kind of when they want to come in. And then you ask them, how come you're here? And they'll say, um, I think my spouse sent me here. And they've been asking me to come in for six months, but I've finally shown up. And they'll be a bit delayed, but they'll give you such a big warm smile that you can't say anything to them. Right. And then when they lie down for therapy, they'll most probably fall asleep. So that's why you want to give them not a comfortable massage table, but lots of itchy things and pebbles and all to make them uncomfortable and give them lots of percussion and you know so that they get excited and then when the but they'll still sleep and then when the massage is over and they're about to say thank you with their beautiful smile show them a snake and then they'll scream <laughs> and then they'll jump out of their comfort zone and that will heal kapha dosha <laughs> What a psychosomatic treatment that the snake and all the jump. So the worrying and the jumping and the discomfort and the mental, physical pushing of ourselves, that is what heals kapha. So that story kind of stayed with me. And if I find that people are procrastinating and, and, and they're hurting themselves, you know, right? when if I'm in a role of being a leader for them as a teacher or as a healer, then I have to be a bit almost like a teacher role, like a strict role with them. You have mm -hmm. to do this. I'm expecting to this. I give them a journal. They have to fill it. And so instead of being like, oh, that's okay. No worries. I'm like, you know, if you're not going to cooperate on this, then pretty much you're all by yourself. So right, you have right. to be more like that. And somehow when your intention is good, you're not being rude. You, yeah, yeah. Being like you're just being making them accountable deep down, mm -hmm. you actually appreciate it. Right. And uh, that's about all I can do. But the good thing is that cover dominant people are so loyal and mm -hmm. they have such a tendency to go deep that if you talk to them philosophy, like you love Asosa and give them the knowledge, there is a good yeah. chance that more than your Vata Pitta clients, they might stay long term. And really right. transformation. Yeah. That's so interesting. That is so interesting. And I love I love that story, especially in response to my question, because it, it answers it perfectly. Doesn't it? <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. 
So good. The other thing that a lot of people with the Kafa constitution seem to deal with, which you alluded to, is like they might feel like they have on a little too much weight. And I am always trying to, you know, encourage people to find the balance for their body and not have unrealistic expectations, of course, but also to still challenge themselves. But I do see that, like you said, like, you know, Kafa's respond so well to muscle building and strength training. They're just mm-hmm. naturally really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, like how, what, how do you feel like is a, a balance to find with weight loss and weight gain when it comes to Kafa? Well, I always begin a weight loss session or a workshops that I lead with like the three body types and the five elements that make them. And I also mm. tell them that health lies in being in swabhava or being in in alignment with your true nature. And for mm. example, Asosa, the universal intelligence has chosen to fill me up with earth and water. And mm. that makes me a very, uh, it makes me a bit slow, but it also makes me tenacious. Mm. It also makes me a deep scholar. So I am, I cannot look like, whoever or whatever is the current model of, you know, the Triggy model of Vata Pitta, the skinny girl, the, you know, or in the yoga pants, the skinny white girl and all. You have to look yeah. your skin. You have to look your gender. You have to look your culture. And you have to also look your dosha, I would add mm. that. And so what I say to people is, like, if you're kapha, you might not look as slim or thin or as you know, in the body type, uh, a small body type or petite body type that's popular, but you would be carrying a little extra pounds, but you would be healthy. You would feel energetic. You would have increased cholesterol. You would not have breathlessness when you walk up and down the stairs. And that is what is health for you. And in fact, if I lose weight, I can't sleep. I don't do Hmm. well. I have wow. to be who I am, uh, a somewhat of a full diva. And that's, who yeah. I am, you know, and so I, I celebrate that. that. I celebrate that. And, and so it's really also, as you can see that in Ayurveda and in all these holistic systems, which is lacking in Western nutrition, everybody walks into a quote unquote Jenny Craig for that perfect look. But when right. they come to people like you, they should walk away with an understanding, which I'm sure they do with people like you and me, with greater esteem and love for how God made them, you know? Yes, yes, yes. I think it's so important because, you know, we all, we we tend to like, like you said, we tend to almost be attracted to or desire what we're not, but we need to also appreciate who we actually are in order to move forward. And what are the strengths of being a Kapha? I've seen many Vata people who want to look like Kapha, you know, like you said, we, we crave what we don't have. And I tell them, you know what, you have those strengths, like your meditations can be instantly deep if you're Vata dominant. You have Mm. intuition, you have capacity to empathize and understand and and so look at your strengths don't just like look at uh something that's not even real um mm. and, and 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 be the best of that like many people say pitta dominant people are irritable that's not true i've met the most cheerful radiant leader like pittas you know i my the planet lives 
thrives because of pitta. <laughs> you yeah. know? So we should appreciate each other and 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 appreciate what is working for us and try to bring our dosha in balance. So even though I may not look like the super super thin kind of a representative of Ayurveda, but if you do my blood work today, I am an ambassador of Ayurveda. Yes, yes, I love yeah. that so much. What kinds of conditions can happen when kapha is completely imbalanced? You talked a little bit about it already. Well, let's talk about the mind first. It, it, there might be a tendency to be sleepy a lot, especially watch out mm-hmm. if you feel sleepy for no reason in the middle after every meal and don't indulge that, you know, don't like create a favorite sofa to nestle in. If you're a kapha dominant person, try and move hundred steps after every meal minimum. Mm-hmm. And, but the typical conditions in the mind can be lethargy, dullness, not necessarily depression, but just dullness. And when you're dull, you don't take medicines for it or you don't go to the counselor for it, but it kind of keeps you back from your life goals. I'll tell you that. If you're not Hmm. feeling alert, and there is this like sleepy dullness, like, you know, tendency to coil inside, that's one thing. Increased dullness. And in the body level, we see increased dullness in the digestive process. So you may eat food and feel full for too long. There can also be some slow and steady weight gain. There can be a tendency to develop colds and coughs quickly, like allergies and colds and coughs can happen Mm. quickly. There can be a tendency to slowly, not right away, but as we age in kapha dominant people, if kapha is not corrected through exercise and opposite things like movement and lighter food and you know, less fatty food. And if it keeps climbing, the oil and the kapha may show up in our blood work. It can Mm. show up in a fatty liver. It can show up in cholesterol deposits. But those are all pathological conditions, but they may come quicker to a kapha than a vata pitta, for example. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And what you were saying earlier that um, really stuck out to me because you're saying that, you know, a vata, you know, can go very deep in a meditation, whereas it may not be, it come as natural to kapha. And what I've noticed with my kapha clients is that they are the ones who, they really prefer moving meditation. And that's how, and that's usually what I suggest to them because they're like, I, I literally cannot sit still. I don't want to go to yoga. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I think a moving meditation is the best thing that you could offer them. And uh, yeah, fall in love with your body type, but don't let it sit and become a liability, you know. Mm, but if a couple person moves and makes their, keeps their dinner light and drinks hot water more rather than chilled foods and fried foods, and if you want to have a heavy meal like a pizza or some fried chicken or something, then have it at lunchtime. Mm. And, um, and salads and uh, soups work really well for them for kapha dominant more than even air dominant or fire dominant yeah huh because they're just so heavy so for right. them that, that heavy energy more than heavy in weight i'm talking about the heavy energy some lighter yeah. food is good for them yeah okay that makes sense interesting and then when what time of year time of day like what are the 
times that correspond with kapha? Yeah, if we are kapha dominant or if you're dealing with extra kapha and we're feeling slowed down and dull in our body and mind, you want to keep especially exercise between 6 and 10 in the morning because that's a kapha time and then comes mm. back in the evening again, 6 to 10. That's why you want to eat dinner earlier than possible because if you eat like by 7 or 8, you're well into kapha time and your digestive fire falls down because of the increasing moisture in the body. Mm. So and okay. so, a good exercise time is in the morning or the evening. It's great mm-hmm. to take an evening walk also for kapha dominant, but 6 to 10 are those kapha times. And you might have noticed that, so I don't know if that's happened with you, but with me, I can work, I can go, go, go. But come mm-hmm. kapha time, and maybe because I am kapha, I tend to not want to like think too much. Like I want to just hang out with my dog or listen to an audio book or kind of, you know, crack some silly jokes with my son or my husband and just be goofy, mm-hmm. you know, like just be lighthearted or, or clean my drawer or, you know, or do some light things. I don't feel very sharp. Unlike when I pit the time, which is from, you know, 10 to two in the morning and then at night, I feel that, but at comfort time, I kind of feel dull. And Ayurveda says, that's okay, but keep moving. Don't just exactly, Mm. uh, yeah, keep moving. And then it's only after 10 that we are asked to fall asleep. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So this is a great wisdom that we can find in the rhythmic behavior. And so many people who have kapha isosa, you know, they lose pounds. I have a story of somebody called Tracy Cunningham in my book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom. And Mm -hmm. she lost 40 pounds without me ever having to say anything to her except for these basic minimum changes. She also had some other kapha things like heavy, big, itchy skin with oozing pus and all. So she had a lot Mm. of toxic kapha in her. But then as she cleaned up her diet, followed some Ayurveda rules, she's been with me now for, what, 10 years? She's kind of like an ambassador of Ayurveda in my school. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. I love that. I love hearing that. Can you tell us a bit about your new book? Oh, I'm so excited. So, so my new book is called Sovereign Self. And mm-hmm. it is the full the full word is claim your inner joy and freedom with the empowering wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita. So the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita are like, not many people may have heard of it, but they've heard of yoga. But the yoga's deepest philosophy lives in these texts. So these Texts are like 10,000 to 5,000 years old. And in India, we have an ongoing tradition. So these books are still available. They are even translated in every language of the world and sold on Amazon. So Mm -hmm. I have created this book, Sovereign Self, because I believe that unless we are sovereign in our emotions, in our thoughts, we stop copying others, we stop following others, we lead an empowered, inwardly commanded life, We really can't be leading the destiny we were meant to lead. We can't be the person we were meant to be. But there is still time. And it's never too Mm -hmm. late to be who you were meant to be. And I myself, Sosa, have gone through a a journey through, uh, even though I was born in a progressive family, I I didn't attract the most progressive partner the first time. And I had Mm. clashes with the patriarchal culture. So I lost my power there for a while, and then I regained it. 
But it's not when you're sovereign power, it's not the kind of power where it has to be, you have to push someone down to feel powerful. Yeah. The kind of power that's just coming from you. And because of that, you can help everybody thrive and you, you sing your, you sing your song, you know? Um, Yeah. It's available everywhere. And um, I'm very happy that psychologists, psychiatrists, spiritual teachers are calling it a masterpiece. And I'm, I feel so humbled. That's so awesome. And then everyone who's interested in learning about Ayurveda should get your your first book, correct? Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, absolutely. In its year of publication, it became the top 10 books in alternative medicine. And it's still uh, being translated in every language of the world. And, you know, more than how the world received it, Sosa, I felt so grateful to have written it because I received this wisdom from a very I'm from a Vedic family and I received it from a renowned healer and a mm. being. And because of this wisdom, I've been able to touch lives and people from multiple sclerosis to Parkinson to heart to lose weight to depression to eating disorders. People have benefited and all those stories and what they did and what you can do. It all made it to that book finally. And just awesome. glad that it's out there now. Awesome. I will be getting a copy and I hope that those listening will get a copy as well if they're interested in Ayurveda. Thank you so much, Shunya. Thank you, Esosa. Okay, it is time to take some questions from Instagram and email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you have to do is send me a DM, slide up in my DMs, or respond to the call for questions on my profile at The Raw Girl, or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. My first question is via IG message from Tia. She says, I have struggled with PCOS most of my life and have not been able to get help from doctors that has made a difference. I have horrible acne, weight gain, and fibroids as well. Do you have any general recommendations for how to approach my condition holistically? Hi, Tia. Thanks so much for writing in. Sorry to hear that you're going through so much health-wise. PCOS can be very complicated, and really, in order to give you recommendations, I would need to see you personally. In women with PCOS, Ovaries tend to produce higher than normal levels of androgens or male hormones and lower than normal levels of estrogen, but this isn't always the case. But when this happens, when the typical pattern happens, this causes many follicles to mature in one cycle, but none can reach the follicular rupture. Instead, they can create these cysts that cause a lot of pain for women. It has a lot of definitions, but basically in the simplest sense, PCOS is the combination of like a number of hormonal imbalances in the body that lead to certain specific signs and symptoms. Which ones am I talking about? Well, many patients with PCOS have some degree of the following, insulin resistance or high blood sugar levels, high testosterone or high androgen levels, which can sometimes lead to the the acne or facial hair growth or other things like that, sometimes not even having your period. Uh, low progesterone or relatively high estrogen levels. And this can also lead to things like the growth of fibroids. So you sound like you have 
maybe have a couple of these going on. And then usually there's some degree of leptin resistance or hypothyroidism. This is usually secondary, but still might be present. And this can lead to things like weight gain or just really difficulty, difficulty with losing weight. Obviously, we can't put all women with PCOS into a box because there's just it's so different for each person, but the vast majority of women with PCOS will experience at least one or more of the hormonal balances I just mentioned. So the best way to think of it is think of PCOS as a condition on a spectrum. The worse your symptoms, the more hormonal imbalances you likely have. The more hormone imbalances you likely have, the more supplements or um, you know natural remedies, holistic things that you need to do to treat the problem. And really, it's these hormone balances that lead to the majority of the symptoms that any PCOS patient experiences. What I do want to mention right now is that studies have shown that hormones in meat and dairy products upset the balance of female hormones, estrogen and progesterone. You can actually listen to a past episode on PMS and hear a little bit about that. So if you're not on a non-dairy plant-based diet, I highly recommend you begin that ASAP. You also need to cut out refined sugars, especially because there is that sugar sensitivity that happens with a lot of PCOS patients. Beyond that, get your thyroid evaluated get all your markers and also all your blood work, including your A1C. Make sure you get an ultrasound and know the locations and sizes of your fibroids. And then you need to take all of that information and work with someone directly to get supplementation and other natural therapies tailored specifically to you to address your imbalances. If you would like to work with me, I have a new hormone balancing academy that is open for enrollment and we would love to have you. I hope this helps. All right. It is time to close out the show. Hopefully this show has given you more insight into the Kapha Dosha and Ayurveda overall. I personally have been greatly impacted by Ayurveda and even with the minimal knowledge I have, it has helped me understand my body and given me invaluable tools to help me understand my clients. Again, I encourage you to find out your dosha and spend some time learning about it to see how it can help you improve your health. Today, I leave you with this quote from Sebastian Polt, who says, because we cannot scrub our inner body, we need to learn a few skills to help us cleanse our tissues, our organs, and mind. This is the art of Ayurveda. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. To listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. Mm-hmm.